Jesus. Hallelujah. Everybody give the Lord a great hand clap of praise tonight. Because he is worthy to be praised. Amen. As you're returning to your seats, finding your Bibles and turning to the book of Romans chapter number 8. Amen. Remember Bible classes Wednesday night at 7.15. We have the Radical Recovery Revival on the 18th, 19th, and 20th. That's a Friday night. Saturday and Sunday for the Philip Miller is going to be our speaker. He's also going to be with us on that Wednesday night, the 16th. We had a great revival with Brother Miller last year. Certainly looking forward to another great outpouring of the Holy Ghost this year. I might mention that part of that revival, that recovery revival, is going to be a cardboard testimony. And uh, they're going to do that on the 18th. And they want as many people as will to, uh, to come and be a part of that. If you'll see uh, my wife or Sister Kim or Brother Craig, they can get you together. You do, it does not have to be something related to addiction recovery. Uh, any, anything that God's done, uh, we'd like for you to be a part of that. There's something very powerful that happens in the heart of a, somebody who's never seen the supernatural when they begin to see all the great things that God has done and it unlocks faith and God works in a mighty way. I think every time we've done it, we've seen God move in a mighty way. Amen. All of our guests that are here, God bless you. We're so glad you're here. And all of our online audience, can you welcome our guests and our online audience today? Thank you for being with us. Amen. Thank you for being with us. Good to have the Seals family with us. Brother Redell Seals Evangelist, why don't you say a word for the Lord? God bless you. Thank you for being with us tonight. Amen. God bless Brother Seals and his family. Amen. Amen. The book of Romans, chapter number 8. The book of Romans, chapter number 8. We'll read verses 26 through 28, and then verse number 31. Romans 8, 26 through 28, and then verse 31. If you found it, say amen. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Look at somebody and tell them that's why you need to pray in the Holy Ghost. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. I'm not really positive that we really, really believe this scripture as it's written. I think we believe some things work together. But the Bible says we know that all things Look at somebody and tell them all things. 
even the bad things, even the painful things, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Verse 31, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, Yeah, you already feel what I'm feeling, don't you? If God be for us, who can be against us? I want to preach for a little while tonight on the subject, what shall we say? Look at somebody and tell them, I've got some things I want to say. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Lord, I pray that you would add a blessing to the hearing of your word tonight. I'm praying for you to anoint me to preach the word. Help me walk in the Holy Ghost and the power of the Spirit. God, I pray that you would confirm your word with signs following. I pray that you would send a mighty anointing of the Holy Ghost into this place. That God, when we leave, we will know that we have been in your presence and that you have spoken to our lives. Lord, let it be done in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Everybody give the Lord a good hand clap of praise and let's worship him before we're seated. Thank you for standing. Romans chapter number eight has long been one of my favorite passages of the scripture. The chapter begins with one of my favorite verses. There is therefore now, Romans eight and one, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. The Apostle Paul was responding himself to Romans chapter number 7. Romans chapter number 7 is the chronicle of a man who was struggling with the weakness of his flesh and the frustration that comes from knowing that no matter how long he had been walking with God, there were times when his flesh and spirit were weak. And so he ends chapter number seven with a rhetorical question that he already knew the answer to, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And then after seemingly condemning himself in chapter seven, he starts out by saying, there is now no condemnation. That word condemnation means a sentence as of a court of law. There is no sentencing that will come against me. It comes from a root word that means judgment or to judge worthy of punishment or to punish the wicked. The condemnation of sinners is the eternal fire of hell, the bottomless pit of suffering for all of eternity. 
But I'm telling you tonight, you don't have to go to hell. You do not have to be lost for all of eternity. There is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. The Lord Jesus Christ wants to save somebody from the condemnation of their sins tonight. Aren't you thankful for a merciful and great God? Oh, Lord, I thank you for your mercy and grace. You do not have to be lost. You do not have to be at the mercy of the sins of the flesh and the weakness of the human nature. The Bible said that there's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. If you get in Christ, you don't have to worry about being lost. And I'm going to tell you, you can't shake a preacher's hand and get in Christ. You can't sign a church roll and get in Christ. The Bible said that we were baptized into Christ. And when you're baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, amen, you don't have to worry about condemnation anymore. Praise God. Then he says, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. I will tell you that if you're going to escape condemnation, you have to live for God. You have to walk not after the flesh, but you got to walk in the Spirit. There's a Christian life that must be lived. Amen. Praise God. You have to be spiritually minded to escape the condemnation of sin. You cannot be led by your flesh and driven by your flesh and escape condemnation. The very next verse, verse number two, says that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Amen. The law of sin and death brings condemnation. If you live under sin, you will suffer spiritual death. But there is a higher law than the law of sin and death. Amen. And that is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Can I tell you that Jesus has passed a higher law than the law of sin and death? He has nullified the judgment that comes from sin if you'll just get in obedience to the law of the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, to live in the Spirit, to rejoice in the Spirit. And you don't have to live in condemnation. It's my opinion that one of the greatest tools of the devil in this end time is the spirit of condemnation. That feeling that no matter how much I try, I'll never be good enough. I'll never measure up. I'll never be able to do anything for God. But I've come to tell you that you don't have to live in the condemnation of the devil and you don't need to walk in self-condemnation. Amen. Can I preach to you a little while tonight? There are some people who are always walking in fear of failure, in fear of hell, in fear of falling, and you rob yourself of the joy and peace that comes from being alive in Christ. The Bible said there's no condemnation if you are in Christ Jesus. And one of the things I've come tonight is to stand boldly against the spirit of condemnation that wants to beat you down and get you to give up and make you feel like you're never good enough and you can't make it. I've come to tell you, you absolutely can make it. You can walk in the power of the Spirit. You can walk in the peace of the Holy Ghost. 
Amen, Brother Austin. I, I'm gonna, I, it makes me mad. It makes me mad when I see good people who are doing the best they can to live for God, and yet that spirit of condemnation makes them feel like they're never going to be good enough. I've come to stand against that spirit from hell and tell you that if you've been born again, then you're good enough to do anything that God has called you to do. You don't need to fear yesterday. You don't need to fear last year, last month, or the last 10 years. You don't need to fear how you were raised and brought up and all the mistakes you've done in your past. Once it's under the blood, there's no more condemnation for it. The world might see you as what you used to be, but God doesn't see you that way. I wish somebody would praise God that there's no more condemnation. You might have used to be a drug addict, but you don't have to be one now. You might used to have been a lawbreaker, but that was then and this is now and you're brand new. Amen. I, 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 I kind of feel like I'd like for you to give me a little validation right now. If you've been fighting that feeling that you're never gonna be good enough, I want you just to wave your hand. Amen. Look, it's all over this place. It's the spirit of this end time that wants to beat people down. If he can make you think that you can't do anything for God, it will paralyze you from ever trying. And it will stop the movement of the church to the places that God wants us to go. I've come to tell you that if you're baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, you can do anything that God tells you you can do. You can walk in faith and power in the spirit. And I rebuke the spirit of condemnation. I take dominion over it in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray, God, let the peace of the Holy Ghost, let the peace of your word, let it fall in this place. I wish somebody would praise him. Right? I wish somebody that needs what I'm preaching would reach out and praise God for the power of his. There's power in this word to set you free tonight. Bible says there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. For one of time, I will not go into the entire eighth chapter of the book of Romans. I'll tell you, it would be a study series that would take a long time. But a quick survey of the eighth chapter of Romans reveals that Paul highlights to the church at Rome many of the highs and lows of life. The church at Rome was situated in one of the most wicked cities in all of history. The city of Rome in that era is one of the most perverted and wicked, idolatrous cities that there has ever been on the face of the earth. It also was ruled by one of the most wicked rulers in all of history, Emperor Nero. At one time, the most dangerous, it was, it was one of the most dangerous times in history for the church. Nero, one of the most wicked dictators in all of history, wanted to take, undertake a vast and expensive building program. This building program would cause them to have to destroy 60% of the city of Rome and rebuild it with elaborate temples and elaborate buildings that he wanted to name Neropolis after himself. It would include statues of himself and temples. The, entire, the empire would face an unbelievable amount of cost in money and resources. 
the Roman Senate ruled against his wishes and he left that ruling full of anger and vengeance. Very soon after, a mysterious fire swept through the city of Rome, destroying the areas of the city that he wanted to rebuild anyway, very mysteriously. Many thought that this cruel, wicked, perverted emperor had started the fire himself, and most historians, I think, believe that he had it done so that he could have a reason to build this city in honor of himself. As blame was being pointed towards the emperor, he decided to blame the fire on this new religious sect that was sweeping across the empire and the city of Rome. The group was called Christians and they stood against the pagan religions of Rome. Nero started a massive and violently cruel persecution of the Roman church. He would take them and impale them on wooden posts that had been sharpened, sit them on it, and their body weight would cause those posts to slowly rise through them and set them on fire and use them as street lights. It was a dangerous time for Christians in the city of Rome. Paul and Peter, the two leaders of the group, were thrown in the Mamertine prison. The church at Rome, however, continued to grow and persevere even through this violent persecution. In Paul, Paul in Romans 8, begins to outline the obstacles and the victories of life for a Roman Christian. He understands that they are under tremendous persecution. I would dare say that there's no one in this room tonight who is dealing with things quite like the Roman Christians had to deal with. Paul begins to outline some of the obstacles of the Christian's life in Rome. He mentions condemnation, the flesh, the carnal mind, the spirit of bondage, the spirit of fear, sufferings of this present life, vanity, and the bondage of corruption. He talks about pain, and then he mentions all of our infirmities. The word infirmities here means feebleness of body, mind, or spirit. It is not just, infirmity did not just mean sickness in the flesh, but it could be sickness of the emotions. It could be sickness of the soul. It could be a moral issue, a physical issue, or an emotional issue. Anything that would bring weakness was counted as an infirmity. Paul understood that the difficulties of life for Christians in Rome was perilous and it was dangerous. It was dangerous and full of trials and tribulations. But he also knew that God would never forsake his people. Amen. Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Paul wanted the Christian to know that in spite of all the things that you might deal with, God will work a higher good out of all of it, in good and in bad, in happy and in sad, in joyful and painful, encouraging and discouraging, 
all in all these things, we know that it will somehow work together for good. <laughs> Bishop Wilson, I was sitting at the table yesterday afternoon with some sweet folks from our church who are going through a little bit of a rough patch in life. And while sitting there, the husband, he quoted you. He said, it'll be all right in the end. And if it's not all right, it's not the end. Because we know, how can you say something like that? You can say something like that if you believe this verse that we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. I cannot always see how trials and tribulations can work for my good, but I trust that God is going to make a way even if there seems to be no way. <laughs> if you love God, all these things will work for your good. What the enemy thought would destroy them, hurt them, stop them, damage them, actually made the church stronger. Then Paul said, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. The enemy fights you because you're called according to God's purpose. You have to understand that the devil is fighting you and your walk with God because God has a calling and a purpose for your life. I'm not just talking to preachers right now. I'm talking to everybody in this place that God has a calling and purpose for you. And that is why the enemy is fighting. But that's also why God is going to work it all out for your good. I don't know if I'm preaching anybody tonight. I don't know if I'm talking to anybody that's wondered, God, why have I had to deal with this and that and this and that? I'll tell you why. Because God has a purpose and everything that the enemy throws against you in the end is going to work for your good. Oh, hallelujah. I'm, I'm, winding, I'm winding down, but I'm trying to wind up while I wind down. Romans 8.35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Paul is looking at a church in Rome that is suffering tribulation and distress and persecution and famine and nakedness and peril, and sword. But he still says, none of this can separate you from the love of Christ. Amen. So Paul again identifies these things. God help me preach tonight. He's identifying these things that are coming against God's people. But in the middle of it all, he wants them to know that none of it can bring separation between you and God. And then he says in verse 38 and 9, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. All these things... 
death, angels, principalities, powers, present, things to come, height, depth, any other creature, all these things that the enemy sends against you, not one of them can separate you from the love of God. All the demons in hell could bring their full force against one child of God and it wouldn't be enough to separate you when the hand of God is on your life. Oh, I want to tell somebody tonight, you don't have to worry about tomorrow because God's got you in the palm of his hand and nothing can separate you. My wife and I were talking. I, was it? Uh, I don't even. I can't see her. She's she's back there taking attendance. Was it today? She remembers. See, she remembers stuff. I forget. It was today. We were talking about a message Brother Carpenter preached many years ago when we were teenagers. See, I remember those days. I don't remember yesterday, but I remember those days. I remember my teen years like 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 that. But I couldn't remember if this conversation we had was today or yesterday or the day before that. Isn't that a terrible way to live? Brother Carpenter preached a message when we were teenagers titled, The Who Is You? And his verse was, Who Shall Separate Us From the Love of Christ? The demons can't do it. The devil can't do it. Your friends can't do it. Your family can't do it. Drugs can't do it. Alcohol can't do it. Financial trouble can't do it. The president can't do it. The people that want to be president can't do it. Wall Street can't do it. Hollywood can't do it. The porn industry can't do it. The meth cooker can't do it. The liquor store can't do it. If you get separated from the love of Christ, you did it. Not those things. Because none of these things, who shall separate us from the love? Don't blame your friends and don't blame your mom and dad and don't blame the meth. You got to look yourself in the mirror and say, if I'm away from God, it's my fault and it's time for me to get myself right, get myself tuned in, get myself where I need to be because none of these things can separate you. Let me get to my point. I'm almost done. I'm really, I'm seriously almost done. I know you don't believe it, but it's true. Paul asked the question in Romans 8, 31. Who, I'm sorry, what shall we then say to these things? To all these lists of things throughout the chapter, the eighth chapter of Romans, the tribulation, the infirmities, the famine, the nakedness, the peril, the sword, all of these things that come against the Roman church. Paul then says, what shall we then say to these things? What are you going to say? There's something powerful about saying things. Words have meaning and power. The Bible declares that the word of faith is nigh thee, even in your mouth. Amen. I preached this last Sunday night while Bobby was fighting flies. Amen. I was trying to say the same thing while he's back to. Amen. Hey, don't laugh at Bobby. He won the internet. You all right, Bobby? The Bible declares the word of faith is nigh thee. It's close. It's in your mouth. 
But if you don't say the words, you can't release the power that comes through those words. So Paul said in the middle of all this mess that you're having to deal with in your life, what are you going to say to these things? Are you going to stand there and keep your mouth shut and just deal with everything the devil throws at you? Are you going to let the devil use you and your family as a punching bag and abuse your kids and abuse your family and abuse your mind and abuse your soul? Or are you going to finally stand up and say something? So Paul said, what are we going to say to these things? Now, Paul, seriously, Paul did not say What are we going to say about these things? What are you going to tell somebody about these things? He said, no, what are you going to say to these things? The word to is a preposition of direction. It means you're speaking toward something, forward to something. What are you going to say in the direction of all those things that are trying to drag you down, destroy you, bring you down, weaken you, and pull you apart? Sometimes you got to stand up and you got to speak to the things that are trying to obstruct. Oh, Lord Jesus. Jesus said it in Mark. Chapter number 11, for verily I say unto you, verse 23, that whatsoever, that whosoever rather, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed. You got a mountain in your way. And you can say, man, I wish that mountain wasn't there. Man, I wish somebody would do something about that mountain. Man, I'm frustrated with that mountain. I'm tired of that mountain. Jesus didn't say don't talk about the mountain. He said whoever says to the mountain be removed and cast in this. He, sometimes you got to open your mouth and you've got to speak. you got to talk about it. Oh, hallelujah. I wish somebody would help me preach right now. My question is what are you going to say? What shall we say to these things. Paul said, don't just stand around and cry about it. Don't just stand around and whine about it. Don't just stand around and complain about it. Get something in your belly. Get some fire in your belly and speak to the devil and speak to the obstacle. What shall we say to these things? What is the proper response to tribulation and famine and nakedness and peril and sword and tribulation and infirmity and bondage and weakness and pain and suffering? What is the proper response to all the things that hell unleashes on a church in the end time? Here's what you say. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? That is the proper response to trouble in your life. Basically what you're saying is, devil, God is on my side and you can't stop me. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. What you're doing is you're squaring your shoulders and you're looking at your trials face to face and you're saying you might as well give up right now because if God is for me, then no one can stop me. Nothing can get in my way. If God be for me, who can be against us? I'm going to tell you hell doesn't stand a chance against a church that's full of faith and understands this passage. 
I'm reminding the devil right now you're in a losing battle, sir. I'm reminding the devil right now you're in a losing battle. Throw what you can at whoever you can, but in the end of it all, here's what I'm gonna say to all these things. If God be for us, I've come to build somebody's spiritual bones up right now and tell you, you can get through your trial. You can overcome your weakness. You can get through your tribulation. You can get through the things that are coming your way. There's not a thing in hell and in this earth that can stop you if you've made up your mind to persevere. If God be forced, well, let me answer that question. Is God for you? Yes, he is. He died for you. He was born for you. He lived for you. He died for you. And he resurrected for you. He is for you. God's not against you. God is for you. Hallelujah. What I'm doing is I'm reinforcing to every obstacle, every enemy, Every opposition, every trial, every test, every tribulation. That you might as well get out of my way right now. I've come to preach to somebody that you've questioned if you can make it. You need to get rid of that question because if God be for us, who can be against us? I don't know if I can survive another day. You can survive another day, another week, another month, another decade, another lifetime if you have to. As long as God is with you, you can make it through anything. You just got to set yourself, plant your feet, stiffen your back, and say, if God be for me, who can be again? I'm going to make it. 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 I will have peace. I will have joy. And I will have victory. I'm just trying to pump some faith into somebody. Amen. Brother Harris, you remember Bishop, Bishop Bo, Virgil Harris? Man, there's nobody like him in the whole world. He was something else. And, uh, and, and he, he said one time, he said, I'm so positive that I have two plus terminals. And he said he was, he said he was preaching at his church, and it was kind of cold and kind of dead, and people just sort of, just kind of, you know, just kind of going through the motions. And you never knew what he was going to do. He said, somebody go get me some jumper cables. And, and they looked at him like you're looking at me, like, right, like, what? And he said, go get some jumper cables. They went and got the jumper cables out of his truck. And he hooked two of the things on his Bible. And he put it under his arm, and then he took the other two, and he went around and... Yeah. <laughs> Before they knew it, they were running, shouting... Running the aisles, dancing, talking in tongues, people getting the Holy Ghost, getting baptized. Because all it was was a little visual that there's enough power in this book to turn anything around. There's enough power in this book to set anybody free. What I've come to do is try to pump a little bit of this book in somebody and tell you, yes, you most certainly can make it. You can overcome. You may be in tribulation right now, but if God be for us. You may be suffering right now, but if God be for us. The the enemy may be raging right now, but if God be for us, who can be? I just want somebody to raise their hand and say, I'm still in the fight. I'm still here, devil. I'm not quitting and I'm not giving up. I'm walking out of here with faith and hope in my spirit. 
You might have got real close to knocking me out, but nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Your past can't, my God, I feel something right here. Your past can't separate you. Your upbringing can't separate you. The dysfunction of your family going back generations can't separate you. When God has you on his mind, you can win. Hallelujah. So what am I going to say? Here's what I'm going to say. If God be for me. Who who was it? One of the little kids around here one time said, if God be for us, everybody else might as well be. I don't know who said it, but somebody said it. You said somebody said it, so I believe it. It's settled. If God be for us, everybody else might as well be. I've just come to tell somebody, you are going to make it. Amen. Amen. You are going to make it. You've got the DNA of victory in you. Because when the blood of Jesus covered you, there's never been a defeat in the blood of Jesus. And every power of his blood will overcome whatever the enemy's sinning against you. If you'll stay with it and you won't quit and you won't give up, you'll have victory. If you'll just keep walking, you might get knocked down, but get back up. Just keep going. Amen. You will have victory. Amen. Somebody told me this morning that when they were younger in the Lord, they struggled. They'd make mistakes and get down and get down. And somebody told him, if you get up more than you get knocked down, you can make it. I've come to tell somebody, you just need to get it settled in your mind. I am going to make it. I'm going to have victory. I'm tired of negative Christianity. I'm tired of negative people that says, I don't know. I don't. You do know you can. I want everybody to stand and lift your hands to heaven right now. And I want you to pray, God, God, let this word get in my spirit. God, let this word get in my heart. What am I going to say? God before us. I'm going to tell you, you got somebody bigger on your side than the devil has on his. Whatever's coming against you, you got more for you than there is against you. I've come to tell somebody, you got victory in your future, not defeat. You got hope in your future. That's right, lift your hands. I don't know who exactly I've been preaching to tonight, but I know that I, that I felt this word powerfully. For this service, I felt like I had to preach it tonight. I felt like I was required by God to tell somebody this tonight. I don't know what your week's been like. I don't know what your last month has been like. I don't necessarily know all the stuff you've been through, but I felt compelled by the Holy Ghost to tell somebody that you got to open your mouth and you got to speak to the things in your life and say, God is for me and I'm going to make it. If God be for us, who can be against us? If I'm preaching to you right now, I want you to make your way to an altar. If you got to crawl, if you got to fight your way to the, whatever you got to do, I want you to come and I want you to lift your hands and I want you to let the gift of faith begin to operate. That's right, sis. Go ahead. Let the Lord touch you. You got victory in you. You got the ability in you. God's given you the opportunity and the power. You can make it. You can overcome. You're an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and by the word of your testimony. 
there's no weapon formed against you that can prosper. In all these things, we're more than conquerors. You need to come to God with faith and say, I'm a winner. I can do this. I can make it. I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. That's right. The Lord's here for somebody. Go ahead. You ought to raise your hands to heaven and say, God, let that faith get in my spirit. You ought to be sensitive and look around and find somebody to pray with. By your simple act of faith and obedience, somebody can find hope and deliverance and a breakthrough. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. You need to say something in your, I'm going to be victorious. I'm going to get through it. Don't keep the word in your mouth. Open your mouth and speak it out. Open your mouth and declare it. Open your mouth and say it. Speak the word. You got to speak it. What shall we say? Amen. There ought to be some people talking right now. My marriage is going to make it. My kids are going to make it. I'm not going to lose my mind. I'm not going to lose my walk with God. I'm not going to fail and crumble. Come on, you got to say it. You got to open your mouth and say it. I will have peace. I will have joy. Come on. There ought to be some talking going on in here. What shall we then say? Somebody ought to talk in tongues right now. You ought to open your mouth and let the Spirit of the Lord. You don't even know what to pray for, but the Spirit will make intercession if you'll get in the Spirit. You don't even know what to say, but if you'll get in the Spirit, it'll come out as you talk in tongues. Your Spirit, the Spirit will make intercession for you. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, the Spirit of the Lord is here. The Holy Ghost is here. There's a breakthrough for somebody. I'm speaking it right now. There's a breakthrough for somebody here right now. I speak joy in my heart and joy in my soul. I speak peace over my mind. I tell depression that God is for me. I tell anxiety God is for me. I tell my addiction God is for me. You got to speak it. 
think some more people. There's some more people here that need to open your mouth and begin to speak some stuff. You need to have boldness to declare joy for your family. You need to declare your home as a refuge for God. My home will not be a battleground. My home will not be a war zone. Come on, you need to say some stuff. You need to say some things.
place every week and have a pastor that will pour his heart out like that to us is something I will never forget. To have a pastor who will pour his heart out, to, who will take time out of his week, who no matter if he thinks it will hurt people's feelings or not, but he'll listen to the word of the Lord is something I will never forget. It will stick with me. I will tell people about it because I love my pastor. Thank you for following the will of the Lord. If you are a guest in this place, please don't forget we have a meet and greet right after service. And it is in the discipleship room. That is through the prayer room, the last door on the right. And our staff would love to meet you and to fellowship with you and to just sit around and talk with you and eat with you. You are dismissed in Jesus' name.